0: This is AgriPulse Open Mic. I'm your host, Jeff Nelly. Our guest this week is House Judiciary Chairman Bob Goodland. AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by EDGE, the dairy farmer cooperative that gives milk a voice. Learn more at voiceofmilk.com. AgriPulse Open Mic continues with Chairman Bob Goodland next. EDGE is the dairy farmer cooperative that gives milk a voice. Edge gives every dairy farmer a progressive voice in matters critical to their business and the dairy community. Edge provides leading-edge member representation and addresses farmers' diverse needs, and challenges. Edge is an energetic, forward-thinking organization representing all farmers equally, recognizing both the differences and similarities in farms, regardless of size, business goals, geography, and ownership. Now more than ever, dairy farmers need to be heard. Learn more at voiceofmilk.com. This is AgriPulse Open Mic. After representing the 6th District of Virginia for 25 years, Representative Bob Goodlatte will retire at the end of his 13th term in office next December. As chair of the Judiciary Committee and member of the House Ag Committee, Bob Goodlett says there's still much work to do.
1: As chairman of the Judiciary Committee, we have some issues that are important to agriculture, like the Agricultural Guest Worker, or Ag Act, of 2017, which is uh, vitally important to help American agriculture meet its labor needs, and this is a very farm-friendly bill that we have produced out of the House Judiciary Committee. It's awaiting action on the floor of the House. We're also going to work on some things that are not as ag-related, but farmers are interested in our criminal justice system like everyone else is. We're going to work on reforming that, Uh, other reforms to our immigration system, and making sure that our national security uh, system, our intelligence-gathering organizations, operate uh, effectively, but also do so in a way that protects the civil liberties of American citizens, some of whom feel like they get spied on sometimes, and sometimes uh, that may be true, but whatever the case might be, the laws of the land need to be followed, and uh, we need to make sure those laws work in a way that respect the privacy and, and rights of American citizens.
0: Mr. Chairman, how dependent is U.S. agriculture on what we know as illegal workers?
1: Well, I don't know uh, the, the facts on that, but my belief is the same as a lot of other people, and that is that there are a great many people who are working in the United States that are not lawfully present in the United States, and a good percentage of those are working in agriculture. Frankly, agriculture has a real struggle to remain competitive in world marketplaces and find the labor they need in the United States. And I think a lot of members of Congress understand that. We just want to make sure uh, that we move from a system where they feel the need to hire people who are not lawfully here or may not know where they're not they're lawfully here to a system where they know they're lawfully here and they can get the workers they need uh, under conditions that uh, work for Uh, their operation of their farm, their ranch, their agribusiness, and work for the bottom line, because obviously you're not going to stay in agriculture if you can't feed your own family.
0: I've had a chance to talk with farmers who say that their operations are being shaped because they're not able to get workers. They're not raising crops that there is a demand for. They're shifting simply because there's not available work. And I've also talked to leaders who say, we're either going to import workers or we're going to import more food.
1: I think that's exactly right. There are other sectors of our economy that come to us here in the Congress and say, we'd like to be able to get access to uh, guest workers as well. But uh, there aren't many uh, where they're in a situation like agriculture, where they're facing international competition. The construction industry, for example, you can't import a roof or a building, uh, but you certainly can import beef, poultry, wheat, corn, soybeans, you name it. They produce it in the United States. They also produce it somewhere else in the world. Uh, and they get access to our market. So if they find a way to produce it, uh, of the quality, uh, at a lower cost, that's a huge problem for our farmers. There fortunately, sh- I'm sorry. Fortunately, we have, uh, the safest, most abundant, most affordable food supply in the world because of American farmers. And I think as a result of that, uh, the Congress is going to respond, uh, to their concern and give them a program that works much better than the current H2A program, which is a a bureaucrat's dream and often a farmer's nightmare of wondering whether their workers are going to show up uh, on time, whether they're going to have to go through too much red tape, whether they're going to have to pay uh, a wage that's prescribed by a bureaucrat rather than what the marketplace uh, dictates. And all of those things will be changed by the Ag Act, including transferring the responsibility for administering this program from the Department of Labor to the Department of Agriculture, which I think has a much greater appreciation for needs of America's farmers and ranchers.
0: There are those who argue that there are enough people in the U.S. to fill the jobs, and if we didn't have the illegals, then those people would fill those jobs.
1: Well, you know, I wish I could see the evidence of that, because this is very, very hard, very, very tough work. And while I do agree that we should make sure that U.S. citizens have every opportunity to take these jobs, and that uh, we do need to have uh, reform of our welfare systems in this country to encourage people to work rather than not work, which is another serious problem, and one that, as the chairman of the Judiciary Committee and previously chairman of the Agriculture Committee, I didn't have jurisdiction over. Uh, It is nonetheless true that you have a tough job in a business that competes in an international marketplace, and there is, in my opinion, no question but that we need to have guest workers. We don't need to have people who are illegally in the country, and we don't need to have people uh, who uh, seek an amnesty to to stay in this country because those are the folks, uh, as in 1986, once they get their green card, many of them will leave the farms uh, and go get a job somewhere else because a green card allows you to work in any job uh, that is offered to you or even start your own business. We need to have a real workable guest worker program where people come in here who want to come, uh, who will help farmers uh, harvest their crops, who will help uh, some uh, sectors like dairy uh, or uh, uh, meat processing plants uh, to uh, work for longer than just a season, but still be guest workers where they touch back home uh, every two or three years. Uh, these are, uh, I think, the plans that will best meet agriculture's needs. There are some who want to have an amnesty program, where you get to work in this country, and then you uh, get to have a green card, and then you leave the farm. That's what happened in 1986, caused a huge uh, problem for American agriculture, and I think it was the gateway that led to a huge influx in new illegal
0: workers. Can you find a majority in the House and in the Senate that would allow you to help to resolve some of agriculture's issues without taking on all of the immigration and border security issues at the same time?
1: Uh, I think that you would have to also do things like uh, electronic verification of employment. We have a great uh, e-verify program in the United States that's voluntary. It's 99.7% accurate. You can do it on your smartphone in your pocket. You can do it in two minutes. You can do it at no cost. Um, and the the... The legislation we have to make that mandatory also includes a safe harbor to resolve that three uh, tenths of one percent, where you do get a false positive or a false negative, and a farmer would be put in the position, or an agribusiness would be put in the position of not knowing if they hire the individual and turns out they're illegally here, they could be prosecuted for hiring somebody who's illegally here. On the other hand, if they refuse to hire them, uh, they could be sued for discrimination. Uh, we resolve that in this legislation. So it will be not only a helpful tool for farmers, but it will assure the rest of the American people that we truly are converting from a system where we're dependent upon people who are not lawfully present in the United States to one, where people can come here, go back home, come back and forth legally across the border, uh, their families can stay in their home country, and we can have a situation where the needs of farmers are met without uh, having a problem people bringing their whole families here and then another member of the family goes and gets a job in some other sector of the economy and just uh, has an expansive negative effect on the public's view of people who are not lawfully present here. So we're going to do other things at the same time, but I have made a strong commitment that we're not going to do something like mandatory electronic verification employment without doing the Ag Act and addressing the needs of america's farmers
0: it is a countdown uh, to the end of the week and a hope of tax reform among gop leadership is now the time to resolve this issue
1: absolutely now is the time uh it's been the time for quite a while because uh we've had a serious problem with uh our tax code uh not incentivizing growth in our economy but stifling uh, growth in our economy. Uh, it really encourages businesses that sell products overseas, which is a lot of American agribusinesses, to keep those profits outside the United States and reinvest them in plants and infrastructure and uh, other you know, research, product development, everything can happen outside the U.S. And if they bring it back to the U.S., they face the highest corporate income tax rate in the world, 35% federal plus whatever your state income tax is. In my state of Virginia, it's percent In New York, it's 10%. So you're talking about a 40 to 45% tax on what uh, people bring back into this country. Uh, they don't have any incentive to do it. So this bill will cut it. I'm quite optimistic that uh, we're going to be looking at uh, a corporate rate that uh, is, is not quite cut in half, but will get down to maybe 21%. And that's huge because that will incentivize a lot of investment in this country that isn't happening now but it's not just for corporations uh individuals uh including uh the average american whose uh, average income uh, average family is about $59,000 they'll see uh, about an $1100 1200 uh increase in uh their tax relief uh families that uh have a higher income 100 to 200,000 they're going to see substantial tax relief uh and this is something for uh everyone in our our society in addition uh, to the actual tax cuts, uh, the, the estimates are that the economic growth will result in average wages in the United States increasing by $4,000 because of this tax relief. So that's even bigger than the actual money you save on your taxes. If you're going to get a, a, a better job with a higher a pay or see your current job with a pay raise, we want to incentivize all of that, and uh, economic growth is what brings that about.
0: President Trump has offered his support continually for renewable fuel. He's also met with pro-oil legislators, uh, especially of the U.S. Senate, and is looking for a compromise with regard to the RFS and specifically the RENs program. Do you see a compromise here that would satisfy both sides?
1: Well, I think we should work toward a compromise as well. In fact, I've offered legislation that both ends the renewable fuels program. That's obviously not a compromise, but I think it is the best solution because uh, the government has no business mandating how much uh, of a product that someone has to buy. And that's exactly what uh, this program does. And no one's out there mandating how many uh, turkeys or chickens or uh, cuts of beef or or pork that families or businesses have to buy. But they are out there telling uh, the people who who use the same product, mainly corn, uh, that they have to buy a certain amount of ethanol, so that affects uh, a lot of my farmers who are producers of uh, agricultural products that utilize corn. Obviously, those who grow corn or who are in the ethanol business have a different look at this, but the government shouldn't be picking those winners and losers. Uh, my other alternative, however, uh, is a phase-out of this that uh, uh, would uh, uh, prohibit uh, the use of uh, corn in calculating uh, the renewable fuel standard and push us toward, uh, cellulosic, uh, biomass based, uh, production and so on. Uh, I'm happy to work on a solution. I do not agree with the President's position, uh, on this, uh, but, uh, I, and, and neither does, by the way, a majority of members in the House of Representatives, uh, agree with that position. But, uh, the reality is that we haven't been able to, um, pass either one of the two bills that I've introduced to this point. So I'm always ready to sit down with anybody and look at new ideas and how to address this. And I think people on the other side should be willing to do that, too. For one thing, they don't know what the future holds after 2022 when these mandates end. Uh, this all could be up in the air. So I think it makes more sense to work on this now than wait until you get to a cliff, uh, and who knows who's going to fall off that cliff and get hurt and who's going to manage to find a parachute down off of it.
0: Chairman Conaway is hopeful for a farm bill and debate beginning in early 18 and hopefully on the House floor by March of 18. What are your thoughts on that timeline and what are your priorities for a new farm bill?
1: Well, I think it's very, very important that uh, we recognize that uh, while some parts of the economy are growing uh, better than others, much of rural America is hurting. Uh, net farm income has been dropping pretty significantly over the last four years, uh, and so it's timely that uh, uh, it is time to write a new farm bill, and we need to keep those uh, things in mind. Now, what can we do to help? Well, first of all, uh, this Congress has already, and this president, uh, have already done some things that are very helpful in terms of stopping new government regulations from taking effect that would have a serious impact on the cost of farming. Uh, and a serious impact on farmers' bottom line. But that should continue. Uh, we need to streamline uh, government programs. We need to make them operate more efficiently. Uh, we need to make sure that we are improving the existing farm programs that we have to maximize efficiency and reduce waste and maintain fiscally responsible stewardship of the taxpayer dollars. Uh, we need to have reform of our anti-hunger programs. Uh, including many improvements to the nation's largest p- such program, uh, the, the Food Stamps or SNAP program, to help lift families out of poverty and into good-paying jobs and not remain dependent upon welfare programs. Uh, we also need to better target the resources we have uh, for rural communities to make sure that we're operating uh, in a way that causes overall economic growth in rural areas. That helps the farm farm economy, helps the rural economy, and the rural economy uh, helps the farm economy, and we need to have a farm policy that promotes that.
0: Should the nutrition amendment come inside the farm bill debate, or do you hold that for the welfare reform debate that Speaker Ryan is speaking of in 18?
1: Uh, personally, my preference has always been to handle farm issues separate from uh food stamp reform issues or other uh other uh, nutrition programs that aren't even under the jurisdiction of the agriculture committee uh and therefore there is merit to including that in an overall welfare reform package uh but uh, wherever we do it we should do it uh there are needs to make sure that we have a program that incentivizes giving people a hand up and not a hand out.
0: Mr. Chairman, we want to thank you for taking time to spend with us here on this edition of Open Mic. Sir, it is Open Mic, and you have the last word.
1: Well, thank you. It's always a pleasure to speak with the listeners of Agripulse, and it is always a pleasure uh, to work with America's farmers and ranchers. Uh, They truly do provide the safest, most abundant, most affordable food supply in the world, and we need to have government policies that get out of the way of farmers doing that and not uh, make it more difficult for them. And I'm not sure that's always been the case in the past. So, in fact, I'm pretty sure it hasn't. So we'll be dedicated during this next year to uh, working to make sure that the future is bright for American agriculture, encourage young people to get into agriculture, families to be able to keep in agriculture, and keep this great tradition that has made America strong continue on because when we start importing more and more food from elsewhere in the world uh, i think that is the, the sign that a, a america's economy
0: is not where it needs to be headed our thanks to chairman bob goodland our guest this week on open mic agripulse open mic is brought to you by edge the dairy farmer cooperative that gives milk a voice learn more at voice dot for agripulse i'm jeff Nelly.